This episode is being recorded out of Shop Talk Podcast Studio in Oak Park, Michigan. For more information, visit shoptalkpodcaststudio.com. Over Westside, everybody know everybody, right? I got nothing but love in my heart for Westside niggas. Nothing but love. Pink suits with hats to match. Big crocodiles and Cadillacs. You looking for the fattest sacks. This is where it's at. Windows tinted. Seats for lyric line. Keep the hands on the burner. Cause niggas know that it's money on our. What up, though? It's your man Jay Johnson, a.k.a. the Tim Foyle Hat Titan, a.k.a. the Conspiracy Realist, a.k.a. the Technology Snob, Steve Jobs Jr. Don't text me with your green bubbles. AKA, I only debate my equals, everybody else I teach. Also known as Juice, because all the hoes say, J.U. Ice, Young Caesar, because you know you can't roam without me. Mister, if you don't like me, fight me. I got kicked out of Noah's Ark because they couldn't find another animal just like me. AKA, West Side T'Challa, the new leader of Wakanda. Don't debate me, debate your mama. I am the best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be. What up? What up, though? And it's your man, Dame. Three underscores, 313. The West Side Landlord, the Pride of PA. High Chief Dame, don't fuck around. The liquor store legend, the corner store conquistador, your mama's favorite Dame. And the David Ruffin of the Shop Talk Podcast, because you know who the fuck they came to see. Not you, Otis. It's no better than these four letters. Thank God for Dame. And if you're speaking on Dame, you better say it nice. And if you don't put the boss in front, then bitch, you're not saying it right. It's the honorable Judge Boss Dame and this bitch all rise. I am a motherfucking black belt. Let's go. Yo, welcome back. Shop Talk Podcast, episode 392. On you hoes. Hey, yo, man, we back for another week of foolishness. Um, It's been a good week for the shop. Man, it's been a really good week, man. We cannot give everything away just yet, but it's been a good week for the shop. We've been putting in work, and uh, work is paying off. You feel me? Absolutely. So, uh, Hard work pays off. Yeah. And uh, hard work and a little bit of luck, too, you know? Because If it wasn't is, for me. If it wasn't for me. If it wasn't for, if it wasn't for you. Um, hard work, opportunity. Luck is hard work and opportunity. When hard work meets opportunity. Yeah. That's yeah. what Ms. Gatlin used to say. Uh, at Cass? Cass Tech. Yeah, yeah. I remember Ms. Gatlin. She the headmaster over at Country Day. Man, you know what I meant to mention on the pod a few weeks ago? And um, it slipped my mind. But uh, Mr. Apple passed away um, a couple weeks ago. He did. Uh, we talk about Mr. Apple on this pod a lot. Coach like, Apple. Yeah. Uh, he wasn't. So he was my, my history teacher, I believe, or economics. Yeah, he taught econ. I think he taught yeah. history as well. But um, supply and demand, and, like, I learned that from him, <laughs> like, legitimately. And I remember having conversations and, like, gave me different examples. The examples helped me kind of understand stuff. Like, listen, you can sell these M&Ms at a dollar a piece and reach 200 people. But if you put them at 50 cent and more people buy them, then 200 people buy them or 300 people buy them at 50 cent. Now you done made more money with the, I'm like, Oh shit. I like that makes sense to me. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So shout out to Mr. Apple, rest in peace. Uh, he, I don't, who knows how many lives that a, a teacher like that has touched and shaped over the years. I got to think his teaching and co- slash coaching career had to have been at least 30 years, yeah. like bare minimum, 
least 30 years. Uh, he was a, an amazing teacher and dare I say personality. Big fan <laughs> at Cast Tech. Because even if you uh, and even if you never had Mr. Apple as a teacher, you know him, you know the voice, you've heard stories, you've seen him like he was he was a presence. And, uh, you know, is it, we're remiss that he's lost. Uh, I know I think Rick is good with his daughter. Yeah, she went to she went to cast as well. I remember her being a few years younger uh, than us when we went there. But, uh, you know, all. Blessings to the family, our, our deepest condolences. That man touched a myriad of lives. If you played baseball at Cass, if you went there, you you know who Coach Apple was. And, you know, he, he touched a lot of lives in a lot of different ways, and he left a lasting impression. Absolutely. Um, all right, folks. This week, or kind of like last week, we went to the Urban Podcast Summit 2023 Amen. Um, addition. Uh, what was your thoughts on the event, Dan? You know what, man? Um, <laughs> when when I pulled up to the event, or even that morning, I was a little bit down about it. You know, pre-sale. Normally, for all of our shop talk events, we usually, you know, have sold about seventy-five to eighty percent of the tickets uh, before the day of the event. So we already estimating a good crowd. This year was a little bit different. The pre-sale didn't go quite how I envisioned the pre-sale to go. And I really, I remember pulling up to the event, pulling up to heavy house studios. I sat in the truck for a minute and I was like, man, I don't want to have a whack ass event. I don't want this event to be empty and people not come out. And I'm glad that that did, was not the case. People came out. Uh, they started to trickle in a little bit when I looked around the room or even I took my camera out and kind of scanned the room like we had people packed in there. Yeah, man, it was interesting because usually the events I have set the set everything up and I see the tickets coming in or whatever. Um, I didn't set it up and I didn't even ask what the tickets were until, I don't know, five, six days. You know what I'm saying? Close. Be- it was, be- it was be- real close before to the, the event. event. Cause I just assumed like ain't nothing changed. You feel me? <laughs> Why wouldn't people want to uh, come out? But this is a, it was a different event because usually we're asking people to come enjoy a live podcast and it's yeah. for listeners. This one was for listeners sort of kind of, but it was really for other podcasts um, and content creators or what have you. And that's a different ask, right? And it's a different community, really. Yeah. Completely different community. Cause it's like you said, it's not our listeners. These are more, these are our peers. Yeah. So when I heard the number, it wasn't to my liking. I was like, yo, we need to think about recanceling, rescheduling this. And it was like, nah, shout out to AJ. AJ was like, nah, um, I think the walk-up is going to be, I think we're going to have a big walk-up. I was like, I don't know, man, because I don't want to waste no time. I don't want to waste nobody's time. We got a lot of presenters. We got people that could be coming in from out of town. I just don't want to waste no time. Sure, we got people that gave time. their time and opportunity, that gave their time yeah. to talk that didn't. we couldn't offer them nothing but time to talk. Yeah. But AJC, like, I think we should stay the course. And I'm like, fuck it. We're going to stay the course. And then a couple of days before, I just made up in my mind, was like, yo, we just going to have a good event. Whoever shows up, shows up, uh, or what have you. And then we got there. I mean, good spirits. And it's just packed out. Like the, the, like the, door, the door did the thing. 
Somebody joked to me a few days before the event. They, it was a young lady. She said, oh, I saw you all drop the prices. She said, ticket sales must not be doing well. <laughs> <laughs> Did she come? No, she ain't well, come. shut your ass up, <laughs> yeah, man, Shut the fuck up. Because <laughs> clearly you didn't have it either. <laughs> she was like, so ticket sales must not be doing well. You all dropped the price. And I was like, look, we got to do what we got to do to get people in the door. It's a business decision. Yeah. And I'm um, glad and I'm glad we got people in the door. Shit. Yeah, and the door ain't changed. <laughs> no, it didn't. It <laughs> the, didn't. You should have got online for the for the low. Um, but man, it was a really dope event. Um and we got a lot of information out there. Uh we talked to a bunch of different people, just talking about growing audiences, uh finding your lane, not having to be like everybody else. Yeah. Um, great networking, man, and just getting everybody on the same page. Like, yo, we are the industry. Like legitimately. Everybody that was in that room, whoever is the who's who of anybody in Southeast Michigan has come through one of those pods or one of those TV shows or one of those different things. So major shout out to um the connected experience. Yeah, our brothers. Uh major shout out to uh Barry from the Uprising Network. Curve. Uh, must be two sides podcast. Yeah, uh, Shad versus everybody. Um, e Block Radio. Tim Bridge. Tim Bridge conversations with Tim Bridge. Um, Miles Dixon. Miles Dixon was there. Shout out to Inaudible Ruckus. He sh- flew in from Houston. L- look, man, if we would have canceled that thing and Skeet would have came all the way from Houston, and we didn't have the event, like I, I would have felt I would have yeah. felt terrible. Yeah, because he was sure. like that's one of the reasons he came was to be sure that he could come to the event. It was good. You know, you see people online, they comment on stuff, but to, like, actually meet people, touch them, see them face-to-face, get feedback from people, like, yeah. to your face, like, that's like it's, I, it's a different look. And it's interesting because, like, we I know him through the socials and mutual friends, but, like, we started the podcast. He started, like, we started, like, one or two weeks apart from each other. Yeah, because he was already, at like, I, I want to say, like, I know he's 390 like Plus. 392 and i think yeah. we were at 391 but like i remember us all starting around the same time follow this journey through from here locally then move to houston doing radio and everything like that got pods he said you know six different pods i can't be mad because i probably did that myself that yeah. many you know what i'm saying be so it's just interesting man um and chris from heavy house studio he was like man i just didn't know it was this many urban podcasts out there yeah. and just knowing that that's a thing. I appreciate Chris providing us with a beautiful space for us to host the event. Shout out to James. I don't want to leave him out of it. He yeah, recorded sure. a lot of a lot of the interviews, a lot of the audio. And James just a, a good just a good good person, good soul. Trinidad the homie Trinidad Ant. Uh and if I missed you, like it's not you know, blame my mind, not my heart. Like it was a lot of people in the building. Jackie showed up. Yeah. I saw uh Jen in the building for for a minute. Yeah. Um shout out Corey from um Push to Conversation. Yeah. Press for Conversation. Press for Conversation, yeah. Um Corey's always always been like a big supporter and we've been on his show before, so I appreciate him coming out. Yeah, man. It was a um a bunch of people who show up at our all of our events and listen to all of our podcasts and be tapped in. Um it it just it I know it sounds cliche. But, like, it literally means a lot when somebody will take the time and or money and put it forth to come here and share and, like, sharpen each other tools. There were really good conversations that was going on. Yeah. It wasn't always – everybody wasn't always in agreement, but it was, like, thoughtful. Like, 
point and counterpoint. Oh, I see why you think that. This is why I think this. How about this? And, like, that was the whole purpose of it, man. And a lot of sharing of ideas. And everybody could take something from the event to sharpen their podcast, to get a different perspective, maybe to get better. And a huge thing that I loved about the podcast is at the end, or even before people were speaking, people were actually getting work in the room and networking, yeah. meeting other podcasts, shaking hands, exchanging information. Uh, I can't think of the name. I don't. I don't have a young brother's name in front of me, but they were two younger guys. I know it's a, a group of four of them, and they are interested in podcast. Well, they have their own podcast, and they oh yeah, so they start up in the pandemic. Yeah, yeah, and they mentioned wanting to come out and sit in with us and podcast. So, I, so we exchanged information. I Easy just told work. them to hit us up. Oh, shout out to Bryce the third. Yeah, um, I talked to him a little bit earlier. I mean, was that yesterday? He gave me a call, you know, we exchanged information, but like, hey, we want to keep in contact. I had a had a pretty good conversation. We're going to bring him on the pod because he has he got a, a lot very, of philanthropic efforts. Yeah, and a very niche, really well-needed conversations. Um, so, man, it's, it's about to go up. And I just think that's just dope, man, for, for us as a community. And when I say us as a community, I mean like the podcast community, uh, urban podcast. And because you urban, it no one said this. But I'm going to say it. just because you're an urban podcast don't mean you got to sound ghetto or bad or unprofessional because this, these are podcasts that sound great, that have structure, that have format, and they all slightly different. Nobody in there had the same the same thing. No, people are doing so many different things in the city where, you know, if you're from the outside looking in, it may look like the space is congested, but there's room for everybody. There's something unique that you bring. You have your own unique flavor, your own unique voice. Uh, in podcasting, in my opinion, we just scratching the surface on what it is and what it's going to be. So, I mean, if it's something that you're interested in, now is the time to, you know, or whenever you're ready is the time to jump in and just get your just do it. Just do it. Just record. Yeah. Come up. Figure it here. out. We'll take care. I'll take care of you. We take care of you. Um, I'm about whether, to say, I'll be doing sessions too. Um, whether it's information. Uh, like I've, I'm not stingy with the information. You feel me? I'm going to tell you anything. I didn't help people set their studio up. This is what you should buy. This is like, I physically went with my own self and helped put foam on the walls, help you set up lighting, help you do this. Because like, why not? Like I'm not a gatekeeper. Yeah. Like the information should be free. And um shout out to one of the young dogs, like, pay me for my time though. Like set up a session, like, look, I booked a session, but I really just want to pick your mind, a brain about such and such and such and such. I wouldn't have charged you no money anyway, but I respect the fact that you felt my time was valuable to share information. Absolutely. So, yo, man, it was a it was a good week. Uh anything else happened? What's up with the rest of your week, man? Uh, I'm just going to touch on it briefly. Me and Jay had an incredible meeting. Yeah, for sure. Incredible business meeting this week that could change how how people view Shop Talk Podcast in a very positive light. Mm. Uh, we've been putting in a lot of work, man. A lot of fucking work. It's been seven years of That's crazy. life, love, labor. You know, we've go- we've lost a lot. We've gained a lot. And I'll be honest, just for me, at times, I didn't know, like, what was going to be the end result, what it, what it is going to lead to. And not saying, like, 
the meeting that we had may be the end or may not, not that it's the end yeah. of the journey, but like it's a possibility for things to come. Mm. A lot of good information was shared. Uh, you know, more news very soon to yeah. come, but you know, this, this, this could be some life changing shit for me and Jay. So, I mean, if you fuck with the podcast, if you fuck with us, Throw an extra prayer up. You know, if it's God's will, it's going to be done. Tell your people. Yeah. And and the Lord, you know, I'm I'm a firm believer in time and being perfect. God is mistake free. And when it's when it's time, he'll bring things to you. And I believe in his will. There is no mistake in God's will. And if this is his will for us, it's, it's going to happen and it's going to pop. When it's real, you can tell. You can see it in their eyes. <laughs> Yo, Ron, make sure you niggas can believe them lies. Um, nigga, you was a oh, sorry. I channel my inner Geechee Gotti. Uh, yo, man, I tell you what, I'm tired of this week. I'm I'm over the Will and Jada. I can't I can't take no more. The jokes aren't even funny. You know what I'm saying? But like, I'm 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 over it. Uh, he did say something that I was like, I really can't even be mad at that. She's my best friend. Yeah, that shit, cap. But nigga, say, listen, I'm gonna show up and support this woman for the rest of my life. And in the grand scheme of things, when you enter a marriage, through richer for poor, for better or for worse, isn't literally that the goal? Like forever, it is. Like I'm. I'm getting the jokes off for sure. And I think that shit is ridiculous. Some of the things that uh, it, it appears that he quote unquote goes through, but I don't know all the information and shit, but the motherfucker said, I don't care what y'all talking about. I'm going to show up for her every time for the rest of my life. All we know is what they choose to share with us. But I remember just, just a personal thing for me. I remember making a joke with my ex-wife when my when our oldest child turned 18. And, it, and I was like, we only got two more of these left, and then we done. And she was like, nigga, no, we not. We're going to be grandparents together. We're going to go through graduations and weddings together. And it's, it's honestly the truth. And I think it's more than just, you know, the husband and wife aspect is a huge part of it. Because like you say, better or worse, sickness or health, that's just in the vows till God separates us from one another. Yeah. Uh, but also even when, like when you share children with somebody, you in there, y'all family, like it or not for better or worse. Like, yeah, you may not like the bitch some days, but like y'all family and <laughs> there's nothing family. you can do about it. We family. Like we made a whole baby together. We created life and, and we're responsible for these lives while we try and navigate and figure out our lives, whether it be separately in this under the same roof or in different residences, like we have to figure out we're, we're tied in for life. Yeah. And speaking on the marriage aspect, like I said, we don't know what goes on. We don't know the rules of their marriage, what goes on behind closed doors, what they have agreed to do, what they have not agreed to do. And we only really hearing one of them really like talking and spouting off on a consistent basis. Big facts. So we only know just her side and what she's choosing to share. Nigga, look at this. I don't know if you've seen this shit, but look at look at look at her face after Will says this wild ass shit. Man knows what a man needs. <laughs>
Let's ride out. I know that's right. Oh, Shut that shit up, Will. We only talk like that at home. She like, I wish that nigga shut his mouth. As a man is rubbing his shoulders, he was like, only a man knows what a man needs. And the look, the disgust that was on Jada Faye, like she was trying to hide it. Like he looked. <laughs> she looking like nigga shut up. Like, oh, uh, he was cringy. You know what I'm saying? I never know. I never know. <laughs> only a woman going to show me what the fuck I need. Big I facts. never know. Big facts. Uh, I, I'm, I'm over that shit, dog. But, um. Everybody. She promoting the fuck out this book. Man, I really want her to chill, though. Fuck the marriage shit, but like, oh, now you so crack, too, nigga. <laughs> like, this motherfucker said Dear Mama was about both their moms. Like, cut the, cut the shit. Like, her and Tupac, that's a whole other thing. I want everybody to lead it. It's tough to lead the Tupac thing alone when Tupac is such in the media right now because of the, the murder case. But, like, now Dear Mama was about both y'all mamas. So I understand Tupac is in the media because of the murder case or whatnot, Keefe D being arrested, you know, things coming to light. This is probably going to sound bad, but Pac been dead damn near 30 years. 30 years. Let Pac die. Like, let just let him be dead. You no, don't, they, want some, they want closure. They want, they want somebody to be held responsible. The nigga who been going on a fucking world tour saying how he was responsible and how he passed the gun and how he did the other shit. And the nigga confessed to the whole shit. The proffer agreement was him on tape and he agreed to be a fucking informant. Like all this audio played in the murder rap. DVD that came out that Greg Caden did like six years ago. I mean, I, I get that aspect, but like there's nothing. Yes, the, the family deserves closure. We we deserve some. There needs to be some finality to the Pac murder. Yeah. But that's it. I don't need new Tupac information on relationships, oh, on, you. you know, shit like that, on his personal lives and details, who he loved, who might have been his real soulmate, like. Look, man, Pac been gone. He been gone. And just let him, just like, this is a true testament of, like, let that man rest in peace. I don't know, man. Some people be like, like, it's some people that ain't going to never, never going to leave the public sphere. Niggas is never going to not talk about Michael Jackson, dog. No, no longer. He's he been gone 10 years, right? He died, what, 05? I think people are going to stop because. No, 2002. 11, 12-ish. Because, like, we're of that last generation of Mike. The kids right now who talk about Michael, Michael Jackson should not know Michael Jackson. But they don't. They know DVDs. They know recordings. Like, we're the last generation that lived it. Like, we're the last generation that lived Tupac and lived Biggie. And as we age out and die, like, some of that legacy will, will also taper away as well. I didn't live Bob Marley. That shit is here. Some people are here etched in stone forever. I didn't live but nigga, are you Marvin really, Gaye. Are you grooving to Bob Marley every day? I, like I gotta, that's that's I gotta, not the music of your youth. What I'm saying is some people transcend their generation of time. Like, I didn't grow up on fucking Marvin Gaye. That was way before my time. But nigga, I listen to that shit all the time. Like, it ain't going nowhere. Matter of fact, it's about to be a Bob Barley movie uh, that's about to drop. That's going to, like, some people 
are like etched in stone and etched in history. Like some music is gonna live forever, and it's a it's a it's a it's a small few. Some of the artists that we fuck with now, niggas ain't gonna care about Rick Ross fifty years from now, even though he's one of my favorite. That shit not gonna transcend. Tupac, it's been twenty seven years since he been gone, and we only knew about him for four years. I just want. I want to say I wonder because I lived it so I understand why the music transcends. I understand why it just connects to so many people. Like his music was impactful. He was impactful as a personality, uh, just the things that he stood for, how he talked, how he spoke, how he carried himself. That energy. I think that that's what, because like energy can't be destroyed. It just transfers. And like that energy still floating around. Like everything about, the whole thing I know about here's a here's an example. The way that Nipsey is loved and revered through all his interviews, through all everything, like that's an energy that's been floating around. That's like I don't know when that's gonna go away. It may go away from like the MTV awards or some shit like that, but it's certain energy in interviews and how how social media is and how clips live on. That shit. Do you think Nipsey is going to live on that same way? I do. Okay. Like, we didn't seen a lot of these artists pass. Niggas don't talk about Big Pun like they talk about Nip. No. We saw them murals for a hot second with Big Pun. It ain't the same way. It ain't the same way with Biggie. Niggas like the raps, the music, but, but like his. As the personality, he didn't mm-mm. transcend in, nah. that sa- in that same way. I get what you're saying. And the reason that Biggie, Biggie and Pac are eternally connected, you know what I'm saying? So, like, by default, he's always going to be talked about because he's the opposite side of the coin from Pac. But, like, I don't know that, like, it's not the giant cultural connection, the same type of cultural connection with a big than, than other people. I equate it to, like, uh, a rivalry in sports. Yeah. You know, Muhammad needed, you know, Joe Frazier. Yeah. In order, in order to elevate himself, magic needed Larry bird. Mike, you know, needed the, the rest of the NBA in order to shit. Mike needed Larry bird and magic Johnson to go. Or really the bad boy Pistons. Yeah, for he, sure. He Mike need, needed the Pistons. He needed an adversary in order, like not necessarily to overcome, but to complete the story. So yin and a yang. You're right. Everything got balanced. And, and if you niggas not on my level, it never it, it only yings it never yings. Yeah, but like, and I and, and it's just iron sharpens iron. You know what? Would Biggie have been such a prolific lyricist if he didn't have other MCs around him helping him to push his pen at the pace that he was writing at the pace that he was creating? He needed pop. He needed that motivation. And and I'll even say like on a on a smaller scope, like he needed the motivation of Jay to continue to push he his pen as Big well. L. Like Big L and Jay, like them like Autumn around them early no early early nineties. I just randomly watched this little documentary somebody did on Big L. I didn't know he had like official projects that were released. And like he he been doing this shit since like 88, 89 from like a young yeah you know what i'm saying so like some people got a spirit or energy that won't that that just never goes like niggas really care about elvis not like not like black people because that's not us our cultural no but niggas still visiting graceland 
every year in droves, purchasing merch. Man, it's still an Elvis impersonator in Vegas. So in order for people to pay money because I look like you, you got to be something. <laughs> yeah. Like people in other parts of the world, in other parts of the country, parts of the world, like they know who Tupac is. And they should not. Like you are older than, you younger than Tupac was when he passed, but you know Pac. You know the music. Like it, 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 they, some, feel a con- they feel a connection to it. Like I feel a connection to, to music from eras that I wasn't living in. Like Marvin Gaye, I, I really fucking listen to Marvin Gaye. Greatest hits, his old playlist, his Apple music. Like, I listen to that shit. Look, my nigga, Distant Lover Live is one of my favorite songs. I want you. That's I, I never want anybody to touch that or try to remake I Want You. It's a perfect song. Uh, shit, most def used that sample. on. Um, Kendrick used it for the heart. Of, yeah, a bunch of people used that joint and did, did an amazing job on it. But, like, it's like... The much is respect I got to some of the, the R and B artists that um, thrived in the seventies and early eighties. Prior to me being around and being around like that, I feel connections with them. Like we didn't really grow up in the Stevie Wonder era. Stevie Wonder's still here, but we didn't grow up while he was putting that hot music out. No, he put it out and it was still hot when we got of age. But we didn't see little Stevie grow into. I say it all the time, man. The only thing, the antics are not going to last. The, the the way that you dress, the your swag, how you did. The only thing that lasts forever is the music. And if the music is not good, it's not going to last. Yeah. So, like, I still feel a connection to some of this. Like, for an example, Motown. Nigga, we wasn't alive when Motown was popping. But there is a, there clearly, from being from Detroit, there's, there's going to be a connection. But yeah. we wasn't alive at that time, Barry Gordy. Like, we wasn't alive in their heyday. But there's a strong cultural connection. We know all about it. We listen to it. We grew up on it. A lot of people grew up on that mu- on pop music like that. Can you imagine the love and respect that we got for Motown and all other good stuff, right? But we wasn't even alive when it was popping. Yeah. Just how we feel, like, nah, nigga, you wasn't out when Pac was popping. Like, how do you quantify how much you love something? You don't. I, I remember buying Life After Death. I remember listening, first of all, listening to it on bootleg. Like, my homeboy Mark had it, and we was over his house, and we listened to that album front to back probably like for six hours on a Saturday, just listening to it. When I heard Notorious Thugs, I, was, I had never heard anything like it. And I, and I remember buying it in the feeling of listening to it. I remember All Eyes on Me. My homeboy, Alvon, he was a little bit old, maybe like a year or so older than us. And his mom had like a conversion van that he he was able to drive like before we were supposed to be driving. Yeah. And we would, we would sit. It was a green conversion van. We used to call it the turtle van. And we would listen to All Eyes on Me in the turtle van while going to Northland or something. Do you remember... And I did this my my actual self, so I know it's real because I've done it myself. Like the first version CD of All Eyes on Me. I'm sorry, not All Eyes on Me. Life After Death, the second CD because it was a double disc. Once it went off, if you didn't hit stop or go to it or restart it, it just kept going. It kept going, and then an interview with Biggie came on. Yep. 
It was that interview. I want to say it's with Joe Claire. Yeah, that he was more money, more problems, all that. Like, yeah. that's the f- realizing that was there. You don't know that feeling. CDs used to have those little nuggets to them like that. You know, some some songs are an eleven minute song because there's four minutes of nothing. Yeah, and then there's a verse two minutes in. The the I want you sample on um, that most dev did the song like nine minutes long, like <laughs> the sound like and be like it take a long time before he start actually rapping. Like, Rem- it's a beautiful. Remember song. when Blueprint the the first Blueprint came out I think and it had that remix to Girls Girls Girls. You had to let like the CD play out at the end, and then you got the song. Yeah. And that was the luxury of having CDs. Man, when Pac passed, that Shug Shami, whatever it said. Nigga told me that shit at school, and I couldn't wait to, I could not wait to get home and turn that shit up as loud as I could just to hear it. Y'all know I fuck with Nas heavy. Right. You know, Tupac still my favorite. Like, the, the amount of times I used to go to sleep listening to All Eyes on Me. I'm sorry, uh, Machiavelli like I studied that shit for so long it's a good album you know what I'm saying like I would go to sleep with that shit on in my room wake up to it like I would it would be in my subconscious the whole time fam pocket just one of those souls where it's like that shit live on um so I understand why this case is gonna be super big and I'll be watching it on my court not court or law and crime is the the joint where all the all the hip hop and all the every all the murders and everything they take advantage of it or they they stream the whole court cases and they have conversations and shit about it so they doing Pac now some people say this shit got the potential to be as big as the OJ trial and I was like nah when you think about the level of social media right now I think it, so it has that potential I think so. And you know what one of the big potential things is, is you think Puffy could be indicted? Maybe. Maybe. Because Puffy, Keefy D was hired by Puffy at, at one point for protection. And I think when niggas get desperate and they get in them rooms and they start looking at them football numbers – a lot of the niggas that you think is built a certain way ain't built like that. And when they start, I mean, Keefe is an older gentleman, but when you're talking about dying in jail, like that's a harsh reality. Because the, the, the whole thing about it is like, if you believe Keefe D was telling the truth enough to call him out on a proffer and indict him for murder, well, he the whole time he said he did it for Puff. Like when they put that bounty up, yo, Honey K, for for sugar pot, allegedly. So Honey K, so that night he called him back like, "Yo, we did that. I need that money." It was like, "Oh, that was y'all, allegedly. Oh, that was y'all." And then allegedly there was a hundred thousand dollars sent through Von Zip, which was the connection between Puffy and them in the first place. Yeah. And Von Zip took the motherfucking money. And opened up a nightclub. So Keefy D always was like, no, Puffy, you still owe me the money because you didn't give it to me. No, and allegedly the $100,000 was 
was written for a check for like a opening a studio or doing an album that never came out can't produce a, a, a um can, is there a, a studio book to say somebody rented some time with this hundred thousand dollars if they find where you took that hundred thousand dollars out of one of those accounts and sent it to somebody for an album that never came out through the person who said all along that was supposed to be pay me and they fell out because like yo i ain't giving i didn't give them the money i played the middleman and i just i just didn't facilitate the money but if you believe that he been telling the truth all this time and every law enforcement person backs up this story we all knew it was it ain't about what you know about what you can prove in court yep and he got a proffer he got caught on some drug shit and was like, well, look, I'll tell you about this information. This was in 2007, 2008. And um, tried to, they, they made him an informant. He couldn't get Von Zip to, to, to admit to it um, in person. And he, 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 he told the whole thing. Who was in the car? What happened? He had the gun at first. He passed it to the back. Um, initially, quote, unquote, Big Dre, which some people think, actually did the shooting because he was in that window passed it to big dre big dre was like he not he he didn't he didn't do it and then orlando anderson grabbed a gun reached over him and did the shot the shooting that's what he said now some people say they saw a fat arm uh reach out the window or it could have been big dre and all the people from la and the compton squad like both of them niggas is certified killers it ain't that i got scared and didn't shoot like yeah, we was invested in for like four different murders a piece. Yeah. Like these are It's le- a lot of layers to the story. These are legitimate gangbangers. Like and both of them Big Dre died cuz he was fat as fuck. He died of some complications and shit later. Uh Orlando Anderson got murdered. Everybody in that motherfucking car was dead. Nigga, how about this? Nigga, they found the gun that killed Pop. In Keefe D house? No, they oh. found it in the backyard of a, uh, in the backyard, underground, in a Southside Crip backyard underneath a, a dog house. They tested it for ballistics. It came back, and then all of a sudden, the gun disappeared, and it wasn't there no more. You think Puffy paid for that too? I don't know. Like he never getting indicted for that shit. I but, don't know. I don't want to say never, but. I, y'all know I'll be having smoke for Puff all the time on this pod. That's one of the reasons. Like you, also, if you go down the rabbit hole, they wasn't there to kill Big that night. They was here to kill Puff. And the person that was, uh, Shannon Sharp, <laughs> the nigga with the the bow tie, the nigga who ended up killing Big. Originally, they saw him. They didn't see what's my man name, Gene Deal, who was a bodyguard. He first he told him if y'all go to this party, somebody's gonna get killed. Biggie didn't want to go. He told him whatever, whatever. But they would anyway. He said that seeing the nigga in the suit with the bow tie, the Muslim nigga, come looking for Puffy's car, and he was like he was behind like a little pole or a little column at the whatever that place was in L.A. And he couldn't see him. He couldn't see Gene Deal. He said when Gene walked around with his gun out, he looked up and he dipped. They wasn't coming for, in my opinion, and others' opinion, they wasn't coming for Big that night. They was coming for Puff. But they couldn't get Puff. They said a phone call was made right next to, because Puff, they, they, was in a, they was in a caravan, right? He's in a Tahoe. 
Yeah, but what I'm saying is like uh, a caravan of vehicles. Yeah, and the vehicles, and Puff blew the light, and everybody else stopped at the light. So there was a car, the S, the, the Impala that was next to. They made a phone call, and like fuck it, take him, and that's when they shot big. Like they wasn't even there for Puff. I mean, they wasn't even either one could get it. You know what I'm saying? But big was just collateral damage that he yeah. did, unfortunately. Also, you was in L.A. Rapping a Tupac diss on the radio, like this is way too much for me. You know what I'm saying? Like this was this was a bad idea for you to stay out here for a month recording your album six months to a year after Pac got killed. Do you think do you think Biggie checked in when he made it to LA? With the South Side Crips. Okay. They and he was in their neighborhood. Like that's what they used for protection. And they the, the connection between them and the South Side Crips was Von Zip. Allegedly. From information I've seen and read and heard. Like that was the connection. And they had a house out in Vegas that they would have got a gun from because four days after Pac got killed, um, they ran up in uh on Southside, shot up, killed somebody. They came back, um, they said they was in a in a blue blazer. It was four people in a blue blazer. Uh one of the cops saw a red blazer. And they pulled him over, and it wasn't um, it wasn't the suspects or whatever. But there was a a, um, a suitcase and had an address two one nine such and such and such and such in Vegas, right? And it was like okay, he's like that's gonna make sense later. A couple of days later, um, they was chasing some niggas up into a crib, and when they ran up in the crib, they saw something else with that same same address, the same address and yeah. shit. And they they funneled it back like oh shit, it's the South Side. And they went to that address. It's a Southside Crip in Vegas, and like, oh shit! He's like, sometimes whenever one of them got in trouble, they will run out to Vegas and hide out. I'm like, oh shit! That's the house y'all went to after the fight to go get the firearm. You know what I'm saying? Like, and what's the what's the and the name the vehicle? I said it wrong. When they stopped the vehicle, the vehicle was registered to a person who lived at two one nine, whatever the address was. And when they went up in that house, they found luggage, and the luggage had a tag on it that had that same um, that same address on it. So they put two and two together, like gotcha, gotcha. Um, and all y'all in some South Side Crips, I just happened like that's some stroke of that's some stroke of luck, genius shit. That like, yeah, I don't call it genius. That's definitely that's definitely luck on that situation. Yeah, but look, also, a lot of people say, yo, Pac died up, caught up in some gang shit that he shouldn't have been doing. From some people's point of view, there was a $10,000 bounty put on them death row chains. That's a bad boy and death row beef. Like, that's what it is. I'm doing that because we want, allegedly, because we can take that chain, put it on one of our music videos, the whole nine yards. Yeah. So there was an argument in the Fox Hills Mall, whatever the mall it was, and there was a chain snatching. So when... Orlando Anderson, somebody somebody mentioned that's my man from the mall, Pac took off. Because in real life, if y'all got jumped in the mall and got a chain snatch over some shit that I'm in, I'm a part of it too. It's not that I'm it's not that I'm Are you really? It's all over me. Why would Death Row and Bad Boy be beefing and you trying to snatch a Death Row chain? Because of the shit that I'm into. So 
some say in his mind it's like, and these niggas is holding me down, and you one of the niggas that tried to snatch a death row chain, so y'all can put for, and and it's a known fact that these the dudes that Puffy paying, this is literally the exact same crew that Puffy paying, and they try to snatch a fucking chain. So it's not that like I'm 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 beefing on some blood and crip shit. I reacted. I probably shouldn't have because them niggas is certified killers. But that's how Pac was, right? I don't really care. We we gonna get to it. Win, lose, or draw. We gonna get to it. Um, I don't think I'm trying to be a super. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not a blood. But these are my friends, and they into some shit because of me. I'm taking off. That's saying it's a great idea. Yeah, because that's it's all ego. It's yeah. all ego. I'm 25 years old. I just seen a Tyson fight. I'm amped, amped up. Oh, I that's the nigga. Mike, that I watched Mike uh, knock out a nigga. I'm gonna knock me out a nigga tonight too. Yeah, and they say they say it was Baby Lane who or Trey, whatever his name is, who quote unquote told Pac. He said I didn't tell Pac nothing. I said something and he heard me. He's like I wasn't. I wouldn't tell. Pox, yo, that's the dude to come get me. Like, hey, that's my man's. And he overheard and just took off. Cause like, oh, that's that nigga? Bad idea. In the grand scheme of things, bad idea. We just never knew how to, I'm sure. But per, you never know how the dominoes are gonna fall in, in street situations. Per Keefe D, uh, Orlando Anderson wanted to scrap. I want my lick back. So they was looking, but Keefe the one went to got the gun. It said, no, we doing something else. And these are certified killers. So, oh, man. But because this legend and the story is so wild, and yo, remember the whole seven-day theory, he's going to be, he going to be, he going to come back in seven years, seven days. No, seven years. He in Cuba. All this stuff adds to the mystery of who Tupac is and why no one can leave it alone. The mythology. Uh, a Pac They made him into a deity He was shot 13 times 12 disciples And the, plus the one He dec- Like Niggas go crazy It was so many theories and, and when you think about it All these theories Were pre-internet These, This was just Word of mouth <laughs> Magazines <laughs> Yeah N- Not pre-internet though because not, not pre-social, not the internet as we know it now. Because niggas would print some shit up off a off a site. Everybody went to that. What's the name of that site that had all the all the gruesome shit? Because his his autopsy photos. Was yeah, I remember E bombs world. Yeah, E bombs world where you can see anything, faces of death type shit like E bombs world. Why do I fucking remember that? Niggas would print that shit up and come to school with it the next day. Like nigga, look, nigga, look. Yeah, man. He yeah, did. Yeah, for sure. All right, man. That's enough of that. That's a, that's that gets me every time, man. I can always talk about pot because I just wish this, I just wish it would have ended differently. You know what I'm saying? But it is what it is. Man, there was a couple things I wanted to talk about, man. And uh I sent this to you. I'm gonna play it. I want to hear your thoughts. I did I stopped listening. Cause I wanted to listen to the rest of it on the pod live. Okay. Y'all be doing on me and my partners did. We came to hoe oh. and go. Oh. If you just going and not hoeing, hey baby, you might need to wait for the church retreat. You might not need to come on this <laughs> no, trip. No, you ain't got to hoe. Everybody do what they want to do. I'm pro choice. No, because so. when you not you when you not pro hoe, you're anti hoe. I'm sorry. If you're not pro hoe, you're anti, and you are not welcome up in here. 
we are supporters of sluts, whores, <laughs> dick suckers, and all things above. Okay, we are dick pro suckers. everything up What's in this motherfucker. So she said, a woman on a podcast angle. says, if you're not down to hoe on a girls' trip, you shouldn't attend. And they say, do you agree? Um, I want to look at these comments and see what the fuck. There's 16.5 thousand comments. Okay. Um, I pray my daughters will ever have friends like this. These are the same women that want to be married. This is why I don't take girl trips. I take grown women trips. Same difference, motherfucker. <laughs> um, Just because y'all waking up and going to brunch don't mean y'all not getting power fucked. It's a lack of self-worth. Okay. She don't realize it, but this video will live forever. No. I guess everybody not. Everybody, I, grateful women don't share the same perspective. I go on vacation, look cute, and take cute pics and forget my responsibilities. I don't know what she's talking about. What of your responsibilities is your husband? Uh, go ahead. Go ahead. Keep keep going through a There was once a time when folks had shame. Bring Sleep, it back. Bring shame back. Sleeping with someone you don't know is wild. These are all women comments I'm, 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 I'm saying. This one not. These women make y'all look bad, make it seem like... I'm anti wherever she is. All right, the women saying they don't agree in public because they want to go on girls' trips. And Jamel ain't going to let you go on a girls' trip knowing that you and four of your friends are going to be fucking down in Tulum for a week. What you think about that? You think it holds some truth? I do. I know. I definitely know. And I don't want to be judgmental because, like, we used to take a guy's trip every year. You ever been to a girls' trip? Nah. But, like, not your girl. I've ran into girls on girls' trips. That's what I mean. Like, so, they in Miami for the weekend, and I'm also in Miami for the weekend. It's a girls' trip because y'all didn't take y'all niggas. But, like, I'm down here, too. So, we fucking. We fucking. And I don't care that you a stranger. Like, <laughs> nigga, we fucking. Like, we, we here for a weekend, I'm going to go back to my city. You're going back to your city. We'll never see each We may never see each other again. Have you ever hooked up on a girl's trip that wasn't a stranger, but it's not your girl? Say that one more time. So here's an example. A girl that you're just talking to or you fuck around with. You're like, oh, we, we and the homegirls, we're going to be in Miami next week. Well, all right, I'm going to pull up on y'all. It ain't. It ain't. It's their girl's trip for sure. Yeah. But, like, you know what time it is. I'm going to be away. Hubby ain't going to be there. My boyfriend ain't going to be there. You're going to be with your niggas. You bring your niggas through. We can do this every weekend. <laughs> you know what I'm type shit. I, I, have, I have not, but I I mean, that's, I mean, I'm down for Miami, that type of play. Atlanta, Florida, whatever the fuck, wherever the fuck, you know. I'm down for that type of play. It's never happened to me, but I'm down for the play. Shit happens, dog. And look, man. In front of your man, she a different animal. She cooking, she cleaning, she a good woman. When she get together with her homegirls that they'd have been doing each other since college, since high school, they out of town. We came to hoe oh. and go. Oh. If you just going and not hoeing, hey, baby, you might need to wait for the church retreat. You. That's what she said. I mean, I believe there's a lot of validity to that. You know, you can put, I know people going to be like, uh-uh, not me and my girls, not me and my girls. We just go, we go to, you, we go to Turkey Leg Hut to eat. Yeah, okay, maybe at this age. But when you was in college and right after, maybe not. Nigga, at this age, <laughs> at the great age of 40, 
you going out of town to get fucked by young niggas. Cause you only you only in Houston for four days. If that. Yeah, like this is a quick trip. It's six of y'all in one room, so you trying to stay at his house anyway. You telling me this homecoming season right now, a lot of y'all visiting them old HBCUs y'all used to live, y'all used to go to, and you're not bringing your husband and your kids. You're going down to relive your, your glory from 2002 through 2006, and you see Charles and his homies still strolling. Charles ain't lost all his hair. He ain't got the big fat beer belly. You know what I'm saying? He, he can, didn't put that. He didn't put he that degree to use. He can still do that Kappa shimmy shake that that him and the homies do. And you were and you start reminiscing. Charles used to be your boo back in college. You want the gold boots at the end of your bed and shit. His wife ain't there. Your husband ain't there. You staying at the Marriott. Charles staying at the W. Like what the fuck, nigga? I went to my my 20 year high school reunion a couple years ago. Shit, damn near five years ago now. And nigga, niggas was fucking heavy fucking. Of course. Heavy fucking. Nigga, my 20 year got ruined though. COVID and shit. Well, mine didn't. There was somebody in particular that I wanted to see at the 20 year reunion. You know this young person. Hmm. I went there just to see if I would run into her. And she was there, no husband, looking finer than three motherfuckers. Hmm. Like. Yeah, we just were you were, afraid? We we friends. We, nah, we, he was you know, we, we friends. We friends. We, we friends. We, 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 Did you attempt? No, you ain't attempt. We friends. And, and I just leave it at that. You know, I'm a gentleman. Know. I want to know who it is. You text me nigga, today. she been, she been in the studio. Text you know, you today. know who it is. Oh, okay. Yeah, she been oh, up. Okay. Here. So, you, so you know the answer to your question also. She done been up here. But I'm just saying like. On yes. the pod or just visiting? Just visiting. <laughs> Do you remember that time that I was high as fuck and she was feeding me candy? Yeah, that's hilarious. Actually. But all I'm just saying is like, yes, y'all go on these girl trips and y'all y'all get y'all pussy blew out. Y'all go home, that shit be all bent out of shape and soggy. You know what I'm saying? It's t- not new. Hell no, it's not new. Stella got a groove back on a girl's trip to Jamaica. By a young nigga. Young By nigga. young nigga. It Winston was supposed to be what 2021 20, Stella was 40 she was 40 at the time interesting she was 40 so last week there was a clip of Beyonce going out and she was talking to Jay-Z saying how I don't know what year this video was but saying um that like he told he made her into a woman and all the other stuff and she was like we started dating when I was 20 years old and it was like whoa 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 because he 12 years older so when you was 20 he was 32 and Stella got her groove back and she was even older so now we kind of talked about this earlier before the for the mics turned on you 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 have a daughter that's about to come out of high school so yeah. she's about 18 she'll be 18 in December all right so 2 years from now would you be comfortable with her dating somebody who's 32 years old fuck no she can't bring that nigga to my house Mm. She can't bring that nigga to the boss house and she know that shit. She can't bring that nigga up over here and I don't want to hear it. Now why just for our listeners, why do you feel this way? Because I understand that in age wise, technically they are both adults and they are both grown. But mentally, a man at 32 has experienced life a little bit differently, 
has hopefully done things, accumulated things, seen things. So let me ask you a question. Are you not, we're not talking about your daughter any longer. Are you saying that a woman who is 20 years old is incapable of thinking for herself and making decisions, whether she wants to do something or not, or is she going to be the, the almighty man is always going to be smarter than her because she's a woman, he's a man. And there's no way that she can withstand the superior powers of 32 year old man. I'm going to say this, and I don't care if it shake the table. A lot of you bitches not that smart. you just not. Mm. Uh, your brain and your capability to think, uh, digest information, uh, you know, break down info probably stopped about 15, 16. I, a lot of y'all just don't have the capacity to, to, to make some of the decisions that you think you should be making. So what I think I hear you saying is, it's very possible they're very book smart and analytical, but in the ways of dealing with interpersonal connections, they may not be smart at all. Absolutely. You can, you can be books. You can be book smart and dollar dumb. You know what I'm saying? You, a lot of y'all don't have the street. I joke about it all the time about dealing with women with advanced degrees, businesses, homes, and y'all be getting duped by a nigga that barely graduated high school. Like I'm, do I think that I'm smart? Yes. And I'm not just like saying like, Oh, I got you. Like, because clearly I was, there's, there was a time in my life, like where I was lying, being a womanizer, things of that nature. But what I am saying is that like, look, it don't really, once y'all like a nigga, for sure, the dumb goes to an all-time high. Nigga could tell you it's raining pancakes outside. You're going to get syrup in the plate. Like, when 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 you like or you feeling a nigga, you don't see. And, and, and I think this goes both ways. When a nigga is, like, really digging a chick sometimes, they can feed you whatever because you just so caught up it's in the moment. bias. Because I already is. think you're a great person, so everything you do is great. Yeah. I want you to be great. You feel me? Because I, I want this to work out. So everything you going that you would do, um, I'm giving you the benefit of the doubt. I, on. I know what the other video was was about. She was talking about like niggas opening up the door and cutting her steak. Oh, this bitch. And, and all that other shit. Like in order to, you know. You ever cut somebody's steak? Yeah, I have. Like yeah. a, on a on a like on a date. Yeah. I that has le- legitimately never crossed my mind. For it to be done for me or for me to do something else. Am I tripping? Uh, I, w- I used to date this this woman that was maybe like two, three years older than me. And I remember like on our first date before we got into the restaurant, as we're like we're walking up, she stopped me. She said, I'm going to get in this restaurant. I'm going to tell you what I want to eat, what I want to drink. I want you to order my food, order my drink. She said, I want all all of the information. She's like, I don't want to deal with the waitress. I want all of this to circumvent through you. Yeah. And she told me very specifically, this is how I expect a man to help me and take care of me when we go out. And I got to that restaurant. She told me what she wanted to eat. The waitress asked her, like, what she want? And I was like, well, the lady will be having uh, the filet mignon, cooked medium, you know, asparagus and the garlic mashed potatoes. And she'll also be having a glass of Merlot. And, and like, that's how, yeah. that's how her and I date. Come When I come to think about it, this, first of all, this girl was, she was b- grooming you. She was advanced. 
and you and your younger mind could not handle her because she was three years older than you. I was I was not as advanced. Do I think she was grooming me to be the type of man that she wanted me to be? Because I was definitely like young, rowdy, kind of rough around the edges. Like I and she introduced me to like my first fine dining experience. Like we go somewhere, it's a seven course meal. Like she introduced me to those things. So yes, she was trying to help me become a refined gentleman. And I think in some regards, like she, she did help expose me to different shit. Yeah. And being better. Yeah. I mean, I think I probably didn't, for the most part, didn't took something from every relationship I'd have been in. You didn't show me something different, even if it's some shit like I'm never dealing with that again. I I, I know where the where the scamming start. Uh, yeah. So I don't know, man. I, it's almost sound like when some people make the argument that insert person is too young. I think sometimes it equates that because I'm young and you older, that means you smarter than me. And I, I don't know that that's always the case. Or if that's the case, is there a particular age that stops? And like, okay, after this age, it doesn't matter how old they are. They are equipped to make decisions on interpersonal connections and, and, and stuff like that. I just think it's easier for an older man to run a little bit more game on a younger woman. Just I think it's the opposite sometimes, though. Because a younger woman that I know for sure run game on older niggas all the time is it that they run game or have i come to the realization of this is what my life is and i and i say that saying like let's just role play i'm a man at 50 and she is 28 i've already accept like i know i'm just not out here bagging bad young bitches i'm talking about 24 and 39 okay 24 and 40 what i'm saying is like young women who know they this shit you see the, the jokes of like, yo, I need me a sugar daddy don't want to touch me, though, or don't want to do this. Like, they know what time it is. I'm using this nigga for his money because he passed his prime and he don't know it yet. And he he looking at me like. Or, or maybe he do know it. I know an older nigga right now that keep a bad young girl with him yeah. every time I see him. See him at the bar, barbershop, uh, out to eat. And he told me, like, look, you know. I'm an older gentleman. I've amassed a certain amount of money and I want something that look good. When I go around my homeboys, I want her to dress. He's like, I don't mind paying for her to dress a certain way and look a certain way because it gives me uh, a level of prestige when I'm out in the streets and out with my homeboys. City girls be up. They be out here scamming niggas. I don't even think it's a scam. I think some niggas just. No, what I'm saying is, some girls literally be out here scamming niggas. It is oh, not for sure. And it's not that and I'm younger than you. And the the, the games and shit that you you prepare for, you're not prepared for this young shit. Like I'm scamming you and I'm younger than you. So I don't always think like, yo, because you're younger, you at the disadvantage. The older nigga could be at the disadvantage. Oh yeah, for sure. You know what I'm saying? And I think it's just it's kind of condescending on both sides. Like, so if you're a 20 year old man. Or a young man, and you got a thirty-five-year-old girlfriend. They gonna think that she uh, she taking advantage of you, or she your sugar mama? Yeah. Or what if I know what the fuck I'm doing? It's always like that thing where it's like, no, nah, this shouldn't happen because you taking advantage, nigga. I might be taking advantage of them. Like we don't fucking know. 
Yeah. And it's almost condescending, like, yo, girl, you 22 years old. You can't think for yourself. Well, why the fuck you voting? You about to make some decisions on everybody fucking lives. And if you can't make a decision of whether who you want to be in a relationship with, should you be able to vote till you 25 in? Like, how that supposed to work? Oh, I make oh, you can you can figure out the fucking uh healthcare system and what you should do with foreign policy and you making different decisions about who has the best plan for foreign policy but you can't make a decision about who got the best plan for your life that shit kind of condescending on both sides you know what i'm saying like nah this motherfucker you a woman why the fuck could you th- how, but I mean, how, tw- the, how the fuck could you possibly outthink a man at 25 <laughs> is she even voting though is she you you vote at 25 nigga no i didn't i didn't start voting until i hit 30 i'll mm. be honest wasn't even interested. Nigga, I wasn't even registered well, to black women vote. Higher than men vote. So they they own that shit. Nigga, I wasn't even registered to vote until shit damn near 30. Wouldn't hadn't even thought about it. Damn, that mean you ain't vote for Kwame, nigga. What kind of nigga is you? I didn't. I just figured he'd win. Yay, Kwame. Go oh, Detroit. I, I voted Kwame twice. I didn't. I uh, I don't think. No, nah, I voted when it was Bush and I forgot who Bush is running against. I think it was like his second term. The first time I did not vote was in 2008. Well, Barack. I did not vote. You voted for Kwame, but not for Barry. Yeah, I did not. How you feel about that? You I'm, don't care. I'm straight. You don't give a fuck. I'm straight. I wanted to be part like, and I know this it was is a bittersweet moment. Don't I know this is going to sound so stupid, but I felt like I was being a part of history. You were. I'm voting for the first black president. Like, my vote matters. Yeah. Vote or die. All of that other shit. Niggas dead as fuck out here. Niggas you remember them vote or die shirts? Yeah, Puffy was selling them bitches. Yeah, he was. That's what we go to for our, our political takes. Vote or die. Every fucking election is the most important election in your lifetime, my nigga. You don't got to bring up a fucking slogan. And if you're waiting for a rapper to tell you when to vote, your life is over, my nigga. Give it up. Pack it up, nigga. Pack it, was, it on it in. Was, it was just such a huge surge in the importance of like Barack. This it was our, such this a, our first chance at a black president. It was a great monop- It was a great marketing tool to get all black people on one accord for us to do whatever the fuck we want to do with y'all. But that's a whole nother. How many times did you hear my president is black? Nigga, I heard that song for years. My that was like the song that united us, nigga. My Lambo United blue. who? Niggas. Nigga, 2008 was the fucking crash of the market. Think about it. We talking, we singing songs about the president My black. My president is black. That was the My recession. My Lambo is blue. Wasn't the album on the recession? <laughs> yeah, that was the name of the album, the recession. Yeah, that was a hard time. But niggas felt happy. We was the ones being taken advantage of in that during that time frame. It was our property values that was going to an all time fucking low. But yo, your president black, so you niggas is happy. And our Lambo was blue, nigga. Yeah, Barack couldn't do no wrong. You can't even drive a Lambo. They don't make a Lambo in automatic. <laughs> I can't drive. I don't know how to drive a stick. I couldn't have a fucking Lambo because you poor. You poor. No, nigga. Well, they don't make regular cars and sticks no more. And I, I mean, I, that's like, a, especially European super sports cars. Nigga, my dad had a fucking Nissan truck that was fucking, I had a stick shift in that motherfucker. You know what I'm saying? Back in the day, you could just rent cars that was stick shift. Now, it's like, nah, that shit too difficult for, for, for these niggas to know, learn. So I remember trying to get a job as a valet, and they like put me in a car with a stick shift like, 
can you drive it? And I was like, I don't know. That's why I couldn't be a valet at MGM. They're like, you got to learn how to drive stick shit. I lied. Yeah, I can drive that bitch. That clutch would be fucked. That bitch would be like, that's all you hear. <laughs> I didn't I didn't know what, I, I just looked at this bitch. I was like, she's like, can you drive it or not? She's like, that's going to determine if you can have this job. I'm like. The reason I'm, I know you can't rent a car to learn how to drive a stick shift is because I was trying to get that job at MGM when it first opened as a valet. And it was like, I called everywhere. It's like, no. The only place you can get was like, at the time, it was like a, a U-Haul truck. And then my uncle had a truck, a pickup with a stick shift, but he had just got it. He was like, nigga. You're, you're not, not fucking up you're my clutch. Fuck, you ain't about to fuck up my clutch. So it was like, uh, I guess I'm not working at the MGM. Yeah. Back back when MGM first opened, that was a good-ass <laughs> yeah. job. Yeah, for sure. Valets was making good money. Yeah. A lot of good money. Now you, t- now you valet your car, you get a half hour later. You scan that ticket, you wait a half hour. Sit your ass down. Yeah. So, uh, I don't know, man. Uh, also, since we talking about this, um, I'll bring this up. I don't know if it's true. Uh, I ain't trying to start no shit, but this is a podcast, and podcast niggas be starting some shit sometimes. Okay. Jay-Z is a man of power and great prestige and that has allowed him to get away with a lot of things but this time Foxy Brown isn't letting things slide many music experts now describe the 1990s female rapper as insane but we'll leave that up to you to decide that I've been able to overcome adversity and, and, and basically come out unscathed which is an important Foxy Brown, actual name Inga Marchand, has confessed that her ticket to rap stardom came at a cost. And it all happened while she was young. She claims Jay-Z, then 27, took her virginity when she was just 15 years old. And that Hova, who she claims has a horse you know what, funded her shopping trips and pampering at hair and nail salons while she was still in high school. All to get into bed with her. In the beginning, we'd jump in the van, we'd go to Maryland, we'd go anywhere. You know what I'm saying? But wait, there's more! Jay-Z, according to Foxy, has a thing for trans people. She claims she discovered this after one began calling and harassing her shortly after Jay-Z gave her gonorrhea. Yes, really. Think about what I'm going to say. You know what I'm saying? I think about what I'm going to do. Foxy also claimed that one of her sex sessions with Jay-Z was videotaped. That's when Foxy mentions that she and Jay weren't alone. Mr. Jamie Foxx was the genuine Wanda from In Living Color. According to Foxy, Jay-Z signed her to multiple gag orders for where she, Jay... Why JB Fox is always wrapped up in the gay shit with people like this? Like it's been a bunch of like it's always a always oh, at a Jamie Fox party when this happened. Like shout out to Jamie Fox because this last this movie on, on Amazon is fucking amazing. I, 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 about the lawyer? Yeah, I haven't watched it yet. Fucking amazing. Jamie is fucking great. Whatever whatever they can do in this personal time, that's his own business. But why his name is always connected to all this this funny shit. And that last part, I have no idea if that's true or not. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna really There was some wild clips that they had of Jay Z in there too. Just just shit to Foxy fill in. Foxy got you hot because you kept your face in a puss. What you think you getting girls now because of your looks? Negro, Negro please. please. But I got to say something. Because this is not the first time I heard this, and there was another name. Because who was put who put Foxy on? LL Cool J. It was LL Cool J and Jay Z. Think about them videos. I shot you. Yeah, it was a young Foxy Brown. She was like sixteen. Foxy was our age at that age when she came and out, and them niggas was old as fuck. So, 
in the spirit of what we was just talking about, there is a certain age I'm like, you not, you not, your brain ain't old enough. At I don't, 16, I don't like 15. it on the other end. I don't think niggas should be trying to groom or fuck with young girls. When we was in high school, and it still goes on at high schools across America, be grown ass niggas out there at dismissal time, yeah. picking up young girls in ninth, tenth, and eleventh and twelfth grade. Yeah. Like it happens. I guess what I'm saying is, I can tell you for sure. At sixteen, at fifteen and sixteen, the motherfucker not smart as a grown man. No, I'll tell you that for sure. No, not at all. Like at 21, 22, 23, you can make a debatable argument because shit, I can vote for the fucking president, right? So I cl- clearly the world sees me as being able to make a decision. And at eighteen, you're grown, grown. Shit's still nasty and creepy, but you can make an argument after twenty one, right? Yeah. But fifteen, sixteen. Like, it's real easy to figure out who, at 1998, when she was, ain't no nigga like the one I got, how, she wasn't even old then. Nah, she just had stage presence. She just knew, she she knew how to rap. Uh, Little Kim was called Little Kim for a long, for a reason. She was young as fuck, too. Yeah. I don't, I don't like that no better. Uh, I don't like this grooming of younger, like, I don't like grooming of young people. Because we see it with older women grooming young boys in high school or trying to attempt to talk to young boys in high school. And we often see this shit with older grown men trying to talk to these young girls in high school. And you don't have the mental capacity to go back and forth with a grown woman or with a grown man. Yeah. But it's like now more ever, I keep seeing these cases of high school teachers and middle school teachers having sex with the young kids, the boys. Like I see that shit, all, and we laugh and joke like, "Nigga, where was these teachers? She looked hot. She da da da. Where were these teachers? Nigga, this has been a thing. Oh yeah, women in positions of power, or people in position of power, they take advantage of those who are not in power, and those who are they were deemed naive, and they can take advantage of. I know a man, woman, woman. I knew somebody personally that taught and her thing was like second semester, 12th grade. She's like, yeah, she let them niggas hit. That's crazy. Second semester, 12th grade. Come back. uh Come back after Christmas break. She's like, yeah, she let them niggas get on. We about to graduate. What school? King. (laughs) (laughs) She used to teach at King. Was she married? Nah, single. She was I didn't have a motherfucker. But oh, she, I thought you was. I thought I thought you were talking about something else. You were talking about King for real. Yeah, yeah. I was trying to figure out like the school we went to. Cause, no, no. Because it was one that I would love. Yeah, man. I, I still run into that one. Man, I seen her down at the Nas concert last year. Still looking amazing. Man, that's crazy, dog. I ran into her one night at Elysium and bought her and her homegirl some drinks. Mm. I was trying. Yeah, I was sure. trying. I was trying to get her drunk. And, like, she said it to me. She was like, first of all, she introduced me to her friends. Like, he used to be in my 10th grade math class. And I was like, yeah, fuck all that. I'm I'm grown. Like, what are you drinking? <laughs> and I was trying to feed her drinks and whisper in her ear and get her to go home with. Yeah. Because <laughs> you got to set the tone. Like, I'm not Dave. It's not. No, no. That, and that's how I came at her. It's not Jason Johnson. No, I was like I was like in my late thirties, so I mean she had to probably been you know mid forties, yeah, 40s. Early, early early because yeah, what's so wild is like I have friends who are teachers now who are cold, and they not that much older 
than the, the people that they teaching because like if you in high school you're only in college for four years let's say you did another it's like ten we years. six to seven years apart yeah maybe. it's not it's not that it's not that big of a difference and i just always thought when i was a kid like oh shit they old they much older than us yeah they're they much older than you when you in middle school yeah. and elementary school but like Look, my nigga, I was 37, 38. She had to have been 45, 46. And she talking about, oh, he was a student. Like, fuck all that. Like, Now, let the student school the teacher. Okay. And you know what? I'll, I'll admit, I'm, I might have had a chance. I might have had a chance. What you do to fuck it up? I was like, we can go back to the red roof. And oh, shit. Ain't no, ain't no grown-ass woman trying to get fucked no and been over no. at the red roof. No, not at all. We was close. We was, cl- we was at this. <laughs> oh, I, I was like, you know, we can go, we can go red roof for Marvin Gardens real quick. <laughs> she was like. She was not trying to hear that shit. She was not trying to hear that shit. But I seen her like. I wouldn't even think about approaching her like that. You was you was on some dirt bag <laughs> shit like nigga, not with this one, not the first time. Sixty nine ninety nine for the room, you know not what I'm saying? The first time, you feel me? You try, you got the Crest Motel. You feel me? <laughs> I took a we, step up. Rare Roof got got flat screen TVs. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? You even got bust down at the Rare Roof. You know what I'm saying? Them sheets clean, baby. We can we can lay there all night. We can lay there all night. You can order your pay per view. Go ahead. Yeah, that's wild. something good to watch. She was not hearing it. She was not hearing it. Story time with Dave. Story time with Dave. <laughs> they always end in a tragedy. Yeah. Oh shit. Uh, you got music pick this week? Yeah, I sent it to you. Yeah, I'm not playing it though. I because this going on YouTube. We gonna say it, but I can't actually play it because they end up because all this music people be putting out is like real music, and that shit gets snatched off YouTube. Immediately, copy okay. strikes go immediately. So we got to figure out a way to. We got to figure a way out, and then randomly, depending on who you sign to, uh, I get emails like later on. It'd be like, "Yo, you gotta take this out the podcast, or we taking it down." But he's still a unsigned artist, I think. We'll fight. We'll fight. I don't, but like, it, I don't know how it worked. Okay, well, I just don't know. My music pick of the week, friend of the show. Uh, I'm gonna play it anyway. Fuck it. I uh, just edit it out of the YouTube. Baby Mark Von Moore, uh, and he also performed this song. If you on the socials and you watch Auntie's House, yeah, he performed this song on Auntie's House. I love Baby Mark. Swagged it out too. Absolutely, every time. Please don't tell me about the field if you can't 
<laughs> nigga, my, my nigga Baby Mark spitting on, on that shit. Von Mark. Yes, he it's is. on all the socials. He performed it at Auntie's house. Go check that out on the uh, no visuals on too, IG. Man. Shout out to Mike George because Mark dropped it. Like, look, you want to do business, you do it through Mike. Yeah. You want a feature, go through Mike. So shout out to the homies, Mike George and uh, Baby Mark. Uh, I hope Mark got a pro- I hope Mark got a project that's that's in the works and about to brew up. They got some, they got some music always. Yeah, yeah, but I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Baby Mark. So shout out to him, Von Mar. It's on all the all the streaming sites. So go download it, listen, pump that shit up. All right, that's that's the type of music you know when niggas talk. Oh, you too poor? Like you niggas is too poor because that's swagged out. Yeah. And he, and he got bars. <laughs> I think he said you ain't even in the ballpark. Um, listen, man. Whose man is this? I've been avoiding this shit, actually. And, um, but like at this point, I got to talk about it. Because, uh, all right, let me, um, all right, here we go. Let me play this audio first. When I first got into real estate, I called, nah. I called Clue, mm-hmm. I called Fabulous, mm-hmm. I called Joe Button, mm-hmm. right? My Desert Storm family. And I said, hey, guys, I'm doing real estate. This is something that I think that, you know, you should invest a little bit of money in, try it out, and that way you can do it. Joe Button told me it was a Ponzi scheme and I was going to go to jail. <laughs> People, <what> I- <laughs> Joe read that shit from the jump. Oh, shit. Now, I just want to say this officially. I think what they doing to Envy publicly is fucked up. You feel me? Uh, I think that Tony the Closer, a YouTube nigga, uh, started all this shit out, my personal opinion, for clout and attached DJ Envy to it. Envy went on his show. I seen this shit months ago. Envy went on his show when this shit first started talking and like, nigga, ain't nobody here ever gave me no money. None of these victims that's coming out say they gave me any money. It's all talking about Caesar. Yeah, like me and Caesar, we do real estate classes together. We don't do an investment class together, right? Um, but like, so, but everybody been like, yo, envy, fraud, fraud. Caesar got arrested. Like they didn't arrest me. Like the police. Didn't arrest me. So allegedly, they came and took some equipment out of the iHeart studio. I saw that. I heard that too. Allegedly. Um, but we got to, you know, I guess I'm assuming you got to do your due diligence. You feel me? But like, I don't know. I think it's fucked up where y'all, y'all will put something on somebody prematurely based off accusations, but all the accusations never say him. You think iHeart going to force him out? No. And how could you? I didn't do nothing yet. Like, now, when you prove that I did something, it's one thing. But all the victims who keep coming out, it's saying Caesar got my money. I'm just saying just with his name being attached to it. I mean, it's the, like, it's, I don't think so. Okay. I just, I don't, I don't think so. Nigga, they was trying to say Charlamagne was a rapist a couple years ago. I remember that. You know what I'm saying? Like, no, if I didn't get rid of the nigga from, like, I don't, no, I don't, I don't think that's the case at this point, but I'm just a nigga on the internet. I don't fucking know. But like, yo, who's man's like what's fucked up is that when he was on Tony the Closer, shit, he was like, nah, Envy, before we got on this phone call, like, nigga, you said he owe you money too. 
And like if he said, yo, the nigga, if he did say public, like, yo, the nigga owe me some money too. I invested with him and it didn't work out. Like the whose man's is this is like for Caesar, because that's your man's guy. Like the only reason he and the only reason niggas know who he is is because is of because Envy. of you. Yeah. Another nigga and his brother trying to talk tough on the internet for, because Envy, because he gave Envy 25% of his business for um to be promoted on a breakfast club. Cause he was like, all right, I, you know, he was like, what are you going to do? He was like, I'm not going to do nothing. I want 25% of your business. I can help promote you. Blah, blah, blah. And the niggas on the internet like, nigga, you ain't do shit for me. You don't do fuck. Fuck DJ Envy. Why the fuck you give him 25% of your. Yeah. We would have settled on a flat fee or like, so advertising rate at the studio. He's like, you didn't, he said, cause Envy was like, yo, I made, Envy went on the radio a couple weeks ago and was like, nigga, I made these niggas. I made Earn Your Leisure. I made Name That Nigga. Like, I made these niggas who they fucking are. And to an extent, yes, the fuck you did because they came on a breakfast club. Yeah. The breakfast club has been out for 12, 13 years. One of the biggest media outlets out there. Yeah. Like, I know Earn Your Leisure. But I know from the the breakfast Breakfast Club. Club. Right. Like, they podcast was around, but, like, the, the reason that they... Not saying that they like you didn't teach me all this information, but like you gave me a platform, and via that platform, I was able to expand even bigger and bigger, and now more people know my name because DJ of the platform. Envy got twenty five percent of Earn Your Leisure. No, 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 no. Oh, he was on that on that on that episode, or that 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 show. He was just saying I made these people. I made like oh, he was okay. going, yeah, he was yeah, going nuts. You. Like nigga, I I don't gotta do shit for none of you niggas. I made this. I made this. I made this. And one of the dudes he named was like, nigga, you ain't do shit. Fuck y'all. I'm like. You thought that 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 mention or interview on a breakfast club was so fucking important that you gave a nigga twenty five percent of your business? He fucking made you then. But the reason that you get a whose man's is this? Cause nigga, whose man's is these? All them niggas is suing you, or allegedly trying to sue you. But like they came with Rashard, like your man's man that you put on and marched around. You came here with the Caesar nigga, right? Like you came here. The niggas scamming everybody. And you was you in one of the scams. He had a nigga name on a piece of paper. Like, I watched a video yesterday. Nina posted this shit. And about somebody who was like, yo, them niggas got, Caesar got me for 500000 for an apartment building. that <laughs> and Didn't then, exist. Then later on, he jumped back in for extra 300000 for some crypto shit, right? And he gave him a, a page. They got all these different people' faces on it, and everybody behind it and shit. And then later on, he went to all these people like, "Nigga, I'm out of this shit." DJ Envy mentioned that shit on the Breakfast Club one time, though. So it was like, "Yo, if DJ Envy mentioned it, it gotta be true." Like, why are you niggas? And I think that's where he might go down with the ship. Okay, is Tom Brady going down with the ship for the crypto arena shit? All that crypto shit that went down. Everybody, the shit is on the Lakers fucking arena. Is the Lakers about to go down? Nah. We didn't know that shit was a scam. Mm-hmm. Nigga paid me some money to say to get into a, a ad to say, "Hey, nigga, try crypto.com." Is Crypt- Tom Brady going down? Cuz nah, crypto.com crypto was Crypto got all of us. <laughs> crypto crypto got all of us. And it was a crypto shit. It was a crypto like, listen, an investment is not a promise that you're going to make money, my nigga. No one promise you money. I can't. You you can't, but like no. But what, what I'm saying is, it's a lot of implied promises, nigga. In bit, like, so I have no idea how these cases going. Like, if it's legitimately a Ponzi scheme and you've been stealing Caesar, been stealing people money and doing different shit, that's one thing. Ponzi is Ponzi, 
But in an investment, I can't guarantee you shit. There ain't no kind of contract that I can sign with you that's going to guarantee that this investment going to pay off. You're right. It's a gamble. I don't have to give it. Like, you can't steal a nigga money. But, it, nigga, if we go into it with an apartment complex and then COVID come and, like, I don't do this shit. <laughs> Nigga's not working during COVID. <laughs> In New York There's City. no production. Yeah, like. Cranes ain't moving. Cement ain't getting poured. My nigga, if it sounds too good to be true. It's, it's too good to be true. Coming from a nigga who's been involved in real estate investing and creative creative money marketing opportunities. <laughs> <laughs> Look, my nigga, do your research. Do your research. Do your Googles. Don't. The thing about sales that me and you understand is that people sell on emotion. Big facts. You know what I'm saying? And people buy on emotion. They get they get you charged up. They, I know you you know this more than ever. That's a hundred percent fact. You didn't bought some shit you didn't want before. Cause you didn't know how to tell a person no. Nigga, I bought some white linen pants from a girl at Nordstrom's because she had the fattest ass I had seen that day. She was pretty as hell. She flashed that smile on me. And she I didn't was, know how to say no. And she was like, them pants look so good. White linen pants, my nigga. Why you think the girls who sell drinks at the strip club so fucking fine? Because they want you to buy drinks. Because you don't want to seem like you pour in front of them. Hell yeah, I'll buy some more. Yeah, give me another shot. Nigga, you ever been to... There's a, a dentist around here that has nothing but bad as fuck, brown-skinned, big-booty women that work in the office. It used to be like that at... uh, What's the, uh, the Schrammer place? Bucharest. Yeah, Bucharest used to be like that for sure. Like, nigga, you couldn't work there unless you had a fat. If you got braces in southeastern Michigan and you got them from Dr. Egan, that office full of fat asses. You know it used to be like that too? The the, the Coney on 8 Mile Evergreen. Oh, for sure. Like, for sure, for that sure. Was, that was like, that's it's a requirement that you be cold like that. For sure. Like, I don't know what it look like now, but. And, and it be and it be simple upsell. So you don't, you don't want to get no large with this combo? Yeah, I do. <laughs> yeah, I do. Or Nigga, this, I don't want all this liquid. What it is? Like, let me get a uh, Long Island top shelf, right? Once a nigga uh, asks me, once somebody asks you if you want top shelf, the answer is yes. You don't even hesitate to say yes. Yeah. Because what do you look like? Say, <laughs> no, nah, bottom shelf. He's like, what the fuck? Bottom shelf. I and, want my stomach to hurt. And guess what? It's the same shit every time. It don't fucking matter. You're going to get drunk either way. They think Ciroc is top shelf. Like, the fuck are you talking about? Like, get the fuck out of here. But, like, um, I don't, let me get a tequila and um, lemonade. Top shelf? What you think top shelf tequila is, by the way, before we get into this shit? Because, like, nigga, don't bring <laughs> Casamigos. Yeah, right. Well, I want that shit. 1942. Now, that I might, I might take a little sip. You feel me? 1942 is pretty good. It's not but, the best. But, I mean, but yes, I, nigga, I took them white linen pants back, like, two days later, and I made sure to avoid her. Big facts. Listen, dog, I don't, I don't know what the fuck DJ Envy got going on. Right, and um, if he dumb enough to do some shit like that, I just I just don't know. But from all the people who've been speaking out and they been saying I've never gave them. One person was like, "Yeah, I never." He said, "I saw DJ Envy walking out of an office one time when I went to meet Caesar. Never had a conversation with him. Never, but like because you see me on the internet and through different cities with him on one thing." 
I bought it from DJ Envy. Yeah. Like, my nigga, that's <laughs> whose man's it is. That's your man's. Look, man, I know somebody that got involved in a Ponzi scheme and he had a real big name and other people were collecting money. But like them other people, people just associated with the big name. I gave my money to such and such. I gave my money to, to DJ this very Envy. powerful family. Yeah. No, you did. Or you did. In some cases, they did. Yeah. Well, I mean, with Envy. Like, yeah. I, I don't know. But, like, there's no evidence that he didn't do any of that shit. And even the people who say that being a scam have all said by Caesar. And they and somehow DJ Envy is in it. Look, man, do your Googles, especially on real estate. And what I would tell anybody when it comes to real estate, like, number one, if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. And contracts are tricky. There's a lot of language in you might be a smart motherfucker, but reading a legal binding contract is something whole different. Get you a real estate attorney, spend that extra three hundred dollars and get them to look over that shit. But this is not your only means to do this, by the way. I'm going to say do this for yourself prior to you talking to an attorney. Right. Man, drop that shit in chat GBT and tell them and, and be like simplify this, please. Tell me what this means. Like it will do it. I do that with my boss. I hate one of my boss's bosses. I hate the emails that they send. They're they're sometimes they're very nonsensical. They're run on. Now I'll I will copy and paste that shit. Like, could you explain to me what they want? And then in bullet in, in bullet points, and they'll be like, okay, why why the fuck you didn't say that? I got two compliments from my director this week on some emails that I sent out. Them bitches was straight. I typed what I wanted it to say in Chat GPT. I did some slight editing and I sent them bitches out. And that is what you call intelligence. Working smarter and not harder. Problem solving. That's what I think intelligence is. Not because you got a good fucking memory and you remembered a bunch of dates and times or whatever. That's one thing. But can you problem solve? Can you make take something <laughs> from nothing? You know what I'm saying? Like I there's some people in my at, at uh in my job I only respond to with ChatGPT. Every time I send a communication to you, it's going to be perfect. And I can write. And the better you can write, the, oh, the better, better that response Absolutely. is. Absolutely. But like year-end reviews, mid-year reviews, the whole nine yards, oh, this shit sounds glowing. And, and I'm going to say this to all my niggas out there, especially niggas searching for women, wives, learn to be a problem solver, my nigga. That's it. That's all she wants is a problem solver. Learn to be a problem solver and watch your pussy rate skyrocket. Be a salesman. Because in order to sell, you got to solve a problem, my nigga. What's the problem that you're having currently? Just do some discovery. Probe. Learn Take one of those things that she that, that they said they're missing and attach what you can do and provide another outcome. Learn to be a problem solver, my nigga, and watch your pussy rate go up. This is or this just is, I've done the research or find a wife and problem solve for her. Yeah. Like, and, I mean, like that could help you get the one that you wanted as a wife and watch her be an incredible wife to you because you've taken so much off of her. Yeah. So I don't want to make it just about the pussy rate, but your wife would be giving it to you. Yes. Because you solve problems around the house. Yeah. And you will be looked at as the king of your kingdom solving problems. Just a little, just a little tidbit from from your uncle, Uncle Champagne. Uncle Champagne, that's uh, that's funny. 
Uh, all right, man. It's, time uh, for the Benny. Yeah, time for the Benny. Uh, like we do it every week. Look, I'm asking sincerely. If you fuck with me and Jay, you fuck with the podcast. You fuck with what you do. If you talk to Big Jesus before I talk to Big Jesus, say a prayer for us. If it's in God's will, some amazing things are on the table and going to happen for me and Jay. They going to happen. It's your man Dame, three underscores, three one three on all the socials. When you see the blue and the black, you know where the fuck you at. It's Shop Talk Podcast, bitch. Um... I didn't say stop the You got to get out of Twitter. Um, I will say this. Um, shout out to y'all. Shout out to everybody who came out to the Urban Podcast Summit for 2023. Uh, great time. Shout out all the podcasters. Shout out all the people who just came to support. Shout out to the the, the people who want to be interviewed by some of those uh, pods. It was a great time. Um, shout out to an opportunity that we received. Shout out to... Um, Big Jesus, man, because he gonna he gonna make a way every single time. Big things, big things. Also, I just want to say, uh, every setback is not a setup for something bigger. Sometimes it's just a setback, and that's okay too. I think a lot of times that when something bad happens to somebody, you want to immediately try to make them feel better, and that's not always a good thing. Telling people empty good phrases just to make them feel better. Sometimes something fucked up just happened. We got to sit with that and then later on we'll get over it. But every setback is not a setup for something bigger. Sometimes it's just a setback. But that's okay too. When you see the blue and the black, you know where you at. Shop Talk Podcast Studio. Book some time. I'm not saying we the Rockefeller Podcast, but we are Jay Day. Hell yeah. Peace.